What's goody, LL Nation? Yeah, I'm just getting you guys started, man. No reason to delay anymore. Malik is almost home. Uh, you know how the L.A. traffic is. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your guy, Sean Davis, at SD2Mikes. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. That's right, AnoraWhiskey.com. Today, we're going to stack up the Notre Dame quarterbacks, Drew Pine, and also Tyler Buckner against the top 10 returning quarterbacks in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, this list in itself is very interesting, to say the least. But with all of that being said, we think there are some quarterbacks that are ranked as one of the top 10 uh, returning quarterbacks that Tyler Buckner and Drew Pines kind of uh, should be equal to, with all things being considered. So we're going to wait for Malik just a little bit. And while we're waiting for Malik, I'm going to take all questions from you guys uh, regarding recruiting. Uh, I just released an article I wrote about Drake Bowen and how he's spearheading the 2023 class and that brotherhood to remain the number one recruiting class in all of college football for the 2023 cycle. Just dropped that on Irish Breakdown. And... um, I'm not sure if Brian's going to drop the video because I recorded a video with him and some interesting stuff, some personal stuff, just what he likes to do with his parents and his friends on the weekends, stuff like that. You know, it was great conversation. I didn't really want to interview the kid. I just wanted to have a conversation with him. So it was a great conversation. And uh, we talked about watching the uh, national championship game and what he took from that and how he's applying that to, you know, envisioning himself on the field at Notre Dame and the type of leader he wants to be when he's there. So, man, fantastic time. The young man, you know, we chopped it up. I told him I'll be coming to a few of his baseball games because I'm in the area not too far from where he lives. We actually share a a favorite restaurant, a favorite breakfast spot. We found out, like, yo, that's my breakfast spot, too. So, like I said, man, just a great conversation. He's a great kid. Man, he almost made me feel old. He kept saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm like, no, dude. Like, we're just talking. We're just kicking it. But, man, his parents did a fantastic job. That's a great kid, quality kid on and off the field that Notre Dame is going to be getting into the class. I do want to say this. Uh, I have been reaching out to some other guys, some other kids, because one of the areas that I work is the Texas area of certain uh, recruits in the Texas area. And so with Al Washington coming on, there are certain defensive line, uh, defensive line recruits that we have to take a wait and see approach on because they might not be guys or they might be Mike Elston guys. That's what I mean. Um, uh, One example, kid out of Texas, he just came back from the National Combine. His name is Kennedy McDowell. Fantastic. The one he plays both sides of the ball. He's a running back and he's a linebacker and he's a rush in. Fantastic athlete. Did very well at the National Combine at the U.S. All-American Bowl, U.S. All-American game, and put up fantastic numbers. So for those of you that are looking at the numbers of a lot of the players that went to the National Combine, 
I would just like to say the clock was very, very slow. Uh, I think Christian Gray was like his 40 time was something like four, seven, two or something like that. And it was like everybody, everybody, their times were slow. So that clock was just really slow. So I know a lot of people saw Christian Gray's numbers and was like, yo, why is Notre Dame going after this kid at cornerback? Trust me, he's much, just watch his tape. Just watch his tape. Watch him in the return game. Watch him defend. We have always said that he's a long-armed guy, uh, better at off coverage, quick to react to the ball, very instinctual, very instinctive, instinctual, very instinctive, and great tackler, makes plays. He's a football player. He's a great football player, and he's going to be a great fit. So uh, let's see if you guys have any questions. Um, appreciate you, Double Down. Thank you for tapping in, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, absolutely wheezing the juice. Remember, keep it a buck. Click that like button. Flip to the live chat. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate you. Ron Tuck, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Uh, nose tackle. One techniques that we're recruiting for the D. Um, like I said, if you go out to the guys on the East Coast, that Notre Dame was, uh, let me pull up, because I can pull it up right quick and really be upfront with you guys about it. All right, you got Brooks Barr, who's a kid out of Illinois. You got Kendrick Gilbert, who's another kid, local kid out of Indiana. Had a chat with him yesterday, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more down the line. He's a D tackle that they're going to be uh, in on. Uh, Kennedy McDowell, wait and see approach. Jadavian Bradley out of Missouri, St. Louis area. And then you have Jalen Thompson out of Michigan. Those are just a few guys. You guys give me a second because I'm going down my spreadsheet here. Got a Hunter Osborne out of Alabama. Uh, Devon Houston from Maryland, a guy that Mike Elson went and checked in on over the break. Huge get, huge need. He's a big-time D-tackle. He can play one technique as well. Jason Moore is one of the other kids. It's like four kids from the uh, D.C. Maryland area, from the DMV area that Notre Dame's in on. With Jason Moore. And then you got Devon Houston. Those are the top two guys. They're top 50 players from the 2023 class as well. They're in the ESPN top 50. So those are two must-gets right there for Notre Dame. They really want those guys. And also, I think uh, I mentioned David. I think I did mention David Hicks. So those are the high-priority guys. Those are the high-priority guys at D-Tackle that I just gave you right there. Notre Dame is going to be going after. So it should be very interesting. As, as I said, Al Washington coming in is already, uh, even though he's a linebacker coach, he probably has an idea of the guys that were offered by Ohio State that he likes. So you might see a bunch of new offers coming in from the defensive line and some guys that were being pursued by Mike Elston. Uh, they might not be in contact with those uh, guys. So for us as recruiters now, we're waiting to see the transition in the list 
and seeing how Al Washington switches up and what guys he goes after. He might bump some guys that weren't a high priority for Mike Elston. He might bump them up to a high priority. And then some guys that were high priority, you know, might be a less priority to him. So once he gets in and gets his feet wet and gets a solid foundation, we'll start to see um, how things transpire with the board for 2023 and the defensive tackle position. Uh, Drunk Vigo, is Malik busy recruiting screen poppers? The answer is yes. As I said before, I told you guys on the show last week, I don't, I, of course, he's worked at the Elite 11. He's known in coaching circles. He coaches high school football out in California, which is huge. Uh, he's, he's done work with CBS covering college football games. So he's been, you know, since his time away from the game, Malik has been, you know, visual. People have been able to view him. Young kids have been able to see him, and he's been connected to the game. So, yes, you know, he has connections. Uh, like he said, he talked to Eli Ricks before he even jumped into the transfer portal and flat out asked him, you know, did Notre Dame have a chance? And Eli Ricks pretty much told him that he knew he was going to Alabama before he even entered the portal. Like they, that conversation had been taking place. Uh, in the middle of the season. Same thing with Dante Moore. Same thing with Carnell Tate. Don Carnell Tate sees the podcast, you know, has a relationship with Notre Dame. As you see in uh, the relationship with Notre Dame for Carnell Tate goes back to his freshman year. Notre Dame was the first school on Carnell Tate. He was still playing at St. Rita here in Chicago. And his relationship and his history of following Notre Dame, he knew who Malik Zaire was. And so he was immediately drawn and wanted to come on and talk with Malik. You know, I have to give a big up to Malik on that one because I usually book, but Malik got that one, booked it, and I was like, okay, cool. Goes hand in hand with what I was trying to do with the article. And so it was just a blessing to be able to get both of those done. And then his conversation, you know, he hits me up last week like, yo, man, I'm working on Dante Moore. So, I mean, he is like off the books putting in work for Notre Dame. He's just putting in work for Notre Dame, and I think he's been rejuvenated with the switch from Brian Kelly to his guy, Marcus Freeman, because like he said, that's who he followed. They come from the same area, same hometown. That's the football player he looked up to when he was coming up. And Marcus Freeman, of course, being from the area, knew all the youngsters that were behind him coming up down the pipeline in football right there in Ohio. So that's that Dayton love, you know, and uh, I keep I, I don't know if it's an official, unofficial capacity. Uh, I do know he's in contact with the school. So, yeah. Brendan Stanton. What's up, my guy? Thanks for tapping in. Everybody, let us know where you're tapping in from LL Nation this morning. Do you have any update on Dante Moore? Uh, other than the conversation Malik had with him this weekend. Um, we look forward to having an interview with him as well coming up real soon. He did visit with Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese, look, Tommy Reese on this show has taken, I wouldn't even say taking a beat. We've just been fair, right? And the praise we've given him, but at the same time, critiquing him and giving him criticism and just letting it be known like, yo, if you're going to critique other assistant coaches, for a lack of production, 
then, hey, you have to do the same thing with Tommy Reeds. And we have yet to see a quarterback develop at Notre Dame to beyond the level of, I mean, like, the bookmark is Ian Book, right? Well, what about Ian Book? I'm like, yeah. yeah I mean, as a fan base, we should just want greater than that. And so we're looking for Tommy Reese to be able to do that. We're just looking for him to be able to do that with Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. And we feel like both of them have an opportunity to be highly productive quarterbacks at Notre Dame. And you know how we feel. You know, we felt like Tyler Buckner should have just been given the ball in 2021-22 season. And we wouldn't be worried about how he's going to react going into the horseshoe game one next year. He would have that experience. He would have gone through the ups and downs and would be better prepared. So now we have to wait and see what we get from him uh, that first game against Ohio State. So Dante Moore has a great relationship. I said all of that to say Dante Moore has a really, really good relationship with Tommy Reese. And Tommy Reese is putting in work. That's something that you'll hear tonight on the Cardinal Tate. And if you don't forget, 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time right here on a YouTube page of Lucky Lefty Podcast. It'll also be broadcast at Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter as well. So, yeah, Tommy Reese is putting in work. He's putting in work. So if we're going to criticize him and put him under the spotlight and the microscope, then, you know, we're going to heap some praise and give him his flowers. He's putting in work from what we are hearing from these recruits, especially specifically these wide receivers and quarterbacks. Tommy Reese is building relationships and putting in work. Mike Callis, Sean, just watched the interview with Bowen. Good interview. I work at Evil Horse in Crete. If you drink beer, you should stop in some time and I'll buy you some. The show gets me through every day. That's what's up, Mike. Um, Where is Evil Horse in Crete? I don't think I've ever driven by it. Because my parents are right off State Line Road and, and good now. So how far is that? Is that like downtown Crete over there? Because I think downtown Crete, I've been to the Aurelio's in downtown Crete. So if it's nearby there or the post office, I know exactly the area it's at. Tommy Guns, I got. Thank you, day one, for tapping in. LL Nation, what's good? Eugene Williams, first of all, Sean, did you get Malik straightened out from the <laughs> JB district? No, no. It continued after the show. He said he's getting receipts and record sales for the for friday show every friday is for the culture so he wants to come back he has receipts for everybody in ll nation that came at him so just be prepared guys he he's gonna be on something friday he's gonna be on something friday i do have an announcement to make uh we're gonna have for those of you if you didn't if you're late to the game and don't know check this out Talking to Carnell Tate, IMG Academy. Notre Dame's been on me from the like start my freshman year. I've been talking to him starting. Our connection like great. So I, I feel like I can do it all. The trifecta. I'm just from the Midwest, so. I try to tell them all the time. You feel different when you come from the South Side. Oh yeah, it's different. So don't forget, tonight, 
6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Carnell Tate interview. It was a great, great interview. He gave us about 30 minutes plus, and we cut it down to about, I think it's about 25 minutes. So it's going to be a great interview. Tap in with that tonight. Let's get back to some of your questions. Oh, also, we just locked up our guy Cam McDaniel, former Notre Dame running back. Cam McDaniel is going to be with us next Tuesday. He was supposed to uh, jump in with us this week. Unfortunately, the timing, scheduling, uh, he couldn't do it, so we pushed it back. It's going to be Tuesday. Next Tuesday, Cam McDaniel, former Notre Dame running back, former teammate of Malik Zaire, is going to be on Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Uh, yeah, Eugene, I'm sorry, man. The disrespect, he's, that's what he's on, man. Ron Tuck, do you think we'll be able to keep Keeley and Vernon with the D-line coaching change? Now, I will say this. Keon Keeley is just as involved with recruiting other people as um, Drake Bowen is. He's like one of those dudes. Like if, if Drake Bowen is 1A in spearheading the class, Keon Keeley is probably 1B because you hear his name coming from multiple recruits as the guy that's reaching out and building relationships. So to me, Keon Keeley is invested. We know other teams are coming in with offers. You know, they smell blood in the water. They see an opportunity to come get a big-time player. But I think at this point in time, Keon is, man, he's, he's vested. He's vested in Notre Dame in his recruiting class. So I really don't see him budging unless, unless something dramatic happens. Brennan Vernon is another thing because I expect I expect Mike Elston to try and get him to switch to Michigan wholeheartedly. That's who his relationship was with. I think it was a shock to him that he left. I think it was a shock to his family. And, you know, and Luke Montgomery as well. Notre Dame was at his basketball game yesterday, I believe, checking in on him. You know, Luke Montgomery, that was his contact. And so now the relationship has to be built. But fortunately, the lead recruiter for all of these kids is Marcus Freeman. Like that's how Marcus Freeman views this. Like I'm the lead recruiter for every kid that we want. Then the assistant or the positional coach comes behind that. Right? So Marcus Freeman is going to do whatever he needs to do. That's why we talked about it on yesterday's show, man. He's doing it all. Like he's recruiting, he's spearheading, spearheading the recruiting class. At the same time, trying to fill roles and trying to check in with Matt Bayless, you know, accept new enrollees and early enrollees to Notre Dame. He's doing it all, and he's doing it all at a top level at this point. So from we're from what we're hearing from the recruiting trail, everything is trending upward for Notre Dame. The view these kids have of the program compared to what they viewed under what they viewed the program under Brian Kelly. Everything is looking wonderful for, uh, for Notre Dame. I will say this. Malik Elsey is a big-time Chicago recruit. Um, he enjoyed his time. He came and visited Notre Dame. Big-time recruit out of Chicago. 6'4 wide receiver. Four-star. I'll, I'll keep it a buck. I'll keep it a buck. He likes Notre Dame. Simeon vocational. He strikes me as a kid that really wants to be close to home. 
from talking to people, to people that know him and just, you know, getting feedback from his trip. He went down to Illinois this weekend. And so I don't want to overreact, you know, because it's emotional days after any visit. Kids love the visit. They tweet, they post on social media. But from the people that know him and conversations with people that coach him, like he's the type of kid that looks at the University of Illinois, Chicago kid, Southside kid. It's going to be a neck and neck uh, race for Notre Dame and the University of Illinois. For me, it's a two horse race from what I'm hearing. It's Illinois and Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is going to have to put in some work. You know, of course, Illinois is a struggling program. Brett Bielema is trying to turn it around. But Malik Ells, he's just like, he's a Chicago kid. He's a Chicago kid, and uh, he wants to rep for a state. Juan Lozado, thank you. SD, what are your thoughts on the class of two, uh, of 22? Oh, Andrew Paul, I'm glad you said that. Malik, literally, I just sent over the tape to Malik. Malik literally is going to be doing a cutting room floor on Andrew Paul. Uh, it would be disrespectful for me to call him a scat back. And I don't want to call him a scat back because, but at the same time, he's very versatile. So doesn't necessarily, you know what? He's similar to Kyron when Kyron was being recruited. And I think once he gets to Notre Dame, once he gets in the weight room, he'll be that style of back. Might be a little bit faster than Kyron, but as far as the patience, the shiftiness, the stiff arm, he's very similar to Kyron. And I'm not sure. I think Kyron was like a three on certain sites and a four-star on other sites coming out of St. Louis. So he's in that mold for me. And if they're able to get him late in the cycle, that's a great get. That's a great get. And, and Notre Dame, historically, Notre Dame has done that. They've done that. Because all you estimate was like a late get in the 21 cycle. And, yeah, that's a great pickup. As depth, you can redshirt him unless he just comes in and he's like a whiz in special teams. In a return game or something like that, you can sit him down, red shirt him, let him get ready, let him practice. He'll definitely be competition based upon the energy and the competition that practice is going to be showcasing. From what we've heard, he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem for the defense. He's that type of talent. That That's the guy that they're going to have to go up against and practice with the twos. And he's going to get it done. So iron shoppers iron. You get talent in and it makes everybody in the program better. Grant Byers, I skipped over your question. I'm sorry. What was your question? I don't want to skip over any questions. Uh, who are the guys in that 23 cycle that you're most confident the Irish end up landing? Three to four guys. Uh, Christian Gray. Christian Gray. Because of the real man. Christian Gray. I'm actually confident after this weekend. I'm actually confident after talking to Carnell Tate. Uh, Christian Gray. After talking to Tate and Drake Bowen, I would say Christian Gray. I'm very confident that they'll get eventually. 
I'm confident that they'll get Luke Montgomery. And I'm also confident. Well, I'm confident. I'm confident right now that they're going to get Carnell Tate after talking to the kid. Now, that's just my personal opinion. I'll let Malik give you his opinion when he gets here. But I'm I'm confident. I'm more confident after talking to him that Notre Dame is going to get him and just seeing, you know, how he related to Marcus Freeman and how impressed he was of Marcus Freeman and just talking about making it clear to us that, like, yo, Notre Dame was, has been on me. They were the first ones on me. So if there's anyone that got a, a head start on the recruitment of Carnell Tate, so, yeah. Christian Gray, Carnell Tate, Luke Montgomery. Those are the three guys that I would say I feel most confident about right now. Yeah, and there's somebody else. Let me look at my spreadsheet right quick because I want to make sure that I'm confident right now. Uh, and what confident I mean, I'll say I'm right at about 70 to 75%. You know what? I'm going to throw one that might not be high priority, but he, because of the fact that he comes from Minnesota and Notre Dame has been very successful getting big time players out of the state of Minnesota, I'm going to say Jackson Howard. Just, just no rhyme or reason, really haven't talked to him a lot, but Jackson Howard, the tight end out of Minnesota. I think is eventually going to end up being added to the class. So I gave you what two guys on the offensive side, two guys on the defensive side. Luke Montgomery goes both ways. So, all right. Sorry about that, Brent. Oh, double down. The uh, yo, so it's on the YouTube page. I didn't even know it was up on the YouTube page. You know. I was just trying to have a conversation with the kid and yo, I'm going like, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. Like if you sit down and you talk to the kid, you come away thinking like, yo, this is a, this is a really dope kid. Like he really gets it. He has everything together. And like, I, I am completely blown away by his commitment to an one of the things I'll give it away, one of the things I talked about in the interview, and this came from watching The Last Dance and watching Michael Jordan's trainer talk about transitioning his body from basketball to baseball and then having, having to transition it back from baseball to basketball. And you would think just as an athlete, you know, especially in high school, I was a two-sport player. I played basketball and I went from basketball to baseball. And, you know, I didn't have time to transition my body. It was like the basketball season was over pretty much in March. And our first scheduled game was like the end of March for baseball. So, you know, I quit. I took a week off, went right into practice for baseball. And there it is. Football, I guess you get a little more time because there's a bigger gap in between football, which ends uh, for high schools, like towards December. And then you get from December to like March to train and just being regimented, going from the regiment of football and being dedicated and having goals 
Like, this is what I want to do in baseball now. These are my goals. And in order to reach those goals, this is what I have to put myself through to transition my body to go from being powerful in football to being explosive in baseball. I need to be more explosive in baseball, which is, you know, I am from a training standpoint, is a different type of explosiveness from football. And for him to be able to talk about that, convey that, and the commitment to it, along with school, classes, being a great student, a great guy in the community, a great family guy, and then working and just having a job as a teenager. I came away from that interview thoroughly impressed with with what Notre Dame is getting in that young man. I was already impressed with the talent, but the young man impressed me even more. Uh, Let's see. I could go up and get my guy Brent's question. Let me scroll back down. Uh, so, yes, Ron, I don't know if I answered your question directly. I think Kiwi stays. Brennan Vernon is going to take some work because there are concerns. There are concerns with Mike Ellison stepping out. And yeah, Drunk Vigo, we are truly swinging for the fences as a staff. And I'm interested in seeing – um, what players that might not have been given offers from Notre Dame on the defensive line that Al Washington comes in and adds to that high priority list? Very interesting in seeing uh, what offers go out over the next two, three weeks. Mike, what's good, bro? How you feeling? SD question about your interview with Derek. Did the last staff allow current recruits to contact other recruits? I'm assuming you mean Drake. Um, I I would say since he was a Marcus Freeman guy and I think the defensive staff kind of started the trend of the defensive guys going out building relationships. Right? And Drake talked about you know, that was one of the questions I asked. So please go over to IB and check out uh, the interview. That's one of the questions I asked him. Like, man, so how do you break this down? Like, how do you guys decide who you're building relationships with? Or is it just a natural bond from kids just knowing other kids from the circuit and going to camps? And he's like, no, you know, it's just it comes from the top down. He was very specific with that. Like, this whole vibe comes from the top down. And he pointed right to Marcus Freeman. And, like, Marcus Freeman is checking in with him two, three times a week and the rest of the staff. And they're like, yo, how's it going? What do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? Well, man, we need you to reach out to this guy. And it's constant. And that's the vibe. So goes back to what Drunk Vigo said. Man, we're swinging for the fences, and we're trying to do it big. Michael Parks, 2023 6'5", 3'10", defensive tackle, decommitted from Michigan. Are we involved or have we offered him? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Once again, like I just said, Al Washington is literally just walking in the door. So literally we are prepared as a staff over at IB, and I'm prepared to sit back and watch the board that we have, the high priority, the middle priority, Watch everything change. 
based upon what he wants and how he views different prospects or different recruits in comparison to excuse me, in comparison to Mike Elston. So the next two to three weeks should be very interesting seeing what new recruits jump in the fray, or jump into the fray with the 2023 class. Weezing the juice, it brings joy seeing these alums rejuvenated about the program. They really are. All of them are, man, they're amped, talking about being on the sideline at, sidelines at games, bringing a new vibe. They really are. Double down, thank you for tapping in from Louisville. Jacob C. from Atlanta, we appreciate you. <laughs> Eugene Williams said, tapping in from Gilbert, Arizona, though I wish I was still in Oahu. Oahu is, man, that Hawaii is one of those tricky trips, right? Because when you first get there, because of the time difference, you have to make sure that you sleep so you can get back on time. And it's not inverted where you're up during the evening and sleeping all day. Brendan Stanton, Tampa, Florida. Michael Johnson, Jacksonville Beach. Juan, Finlay, Ron Staff, Charlotte, home of R.J. Blanton. That's right. You know, R.J. played, they played for the Vikings for a few years. Be a, I might have to get them on the show. Drunk Vigo, it's already in the works. It's already in the works, my man. We got that coming to you. No, the Tate interview is tonight. It comes out on the YouTube channel, six o'clock tonight. Six o'clock tonight. Alan Krentz, Northwest Iowa. All right, guys, hit me with some questions. Hit me with some more questions, some more recruiting questions and wait for my boy, That's Malik right there, just texting with him. Should Keon Keeley be taking these visits if he was locked in like Bourne would help us out? First, uh, Josh, every five-star recruit is going to take their visits. That's like, relax. You're going to hear about some other committed players possibly taking visits. And with Keon, you know, under the former staff, remember, it was said all the time under the former staff, if you're looking, we're looking. With a guy like Keon Keeley, it's like, man, Keon, you're good. If you feel like you want to go take a visit, you have five to take, take them all. We got you. That's as simple as that. If Alabama calls, I'll probably, if I'm committed somewhere else, I probably just go just to go. I just want to see. So I'm not worried about him taking visits at all. As I said before, you know, he's the one calling recruits. Like currently, presently, he's calling recruits about Notre Dame, you know, staying on them. So I'm, I'm really not worried about Keon Key. Um, nothing, nothing really. I think the DC hire will come before the running back coach hire, in my opinion. Um, we said it last week, Marcus Freeman anticipated the Mike Elston thing. 
and knew things could play out that way. So I felt like he was ready for that, and that's why he was quick to react to the D-line coach search. There have been rumblings about whether or not he's been close to a hire at the D.C. The issue with that, most D.C.s that come in, we're seeing it with Jim Knowles. That's how Al Washington ends up at Notre Dame. Jim Knowles comes in, and he wants to get all his new people. Matter of fact, I was able to speak to um, – let me make sure I get his name correctly. I had a conversation with Patrick Murphy from 247. Uh, he covers uh, Ohio State and – I asked him quite, quite frankly, you know, what happened with Al Washington. He said, I think it was a combination of bringing in a new defensive coordinator who also had coached linebackers in the past because Al Washington was the linebacker coach at Ohio State. So the new Jim Knowles coaches linebackers, so there's no need for a linebacker coach, which made, you know, Al Washington disposable. He can't go to D-line coach because, I mean, they got a legendary D-line coach in Larry Johnson. So I uh, made them disposable. And then, you know, they had some transfers at the linebacker position. But if you remember, you read the article that Brian Driscoll did on IB, he was very clear that he was kind of out of position at linebacker coach because his true strength is D-line coach. That's what he did at Cincinnati. But upper mobility, of course you go take the job at Ohio State, even if it's linebacker coach. Heck, yeah, I'll coach anything. You know what I'm saying? I'll coach the vendors in the stand if I can come to Ohio State and have it on my resume. So he did that, and he did a good job. This is Patrick Murphy from 247 Sports. He said he did a good job, and um, there were some development issues at linebacker. He felt like with the fret, with the young players that still might end up being really good players. And he says as a recruiter, uh, He's uh, he's like, I don't know, because of the time, I don't think he can be considered elite because he didn't have enough time here. But I will say this. He landed three really good linebackers in this last class that don't come to Ohio State if it were not for him. One of those being Sonny Styles. So he beat Notre Dame out for Sonny Styles. So you're getting a great a great, from all accounts, a great D-line coach. We're talking about coaching a position. A great D-line coach. He was an average to above average linebacker coach. Great D-line coach. And on the verge of being an elite recruiter. He said he didn't want to give him the elite status yet as a recruiter. But he's very good. So that's what you're getting. And that's strictly from someone that's been around him and talked to him and covered it. All right. Michael Parks, D-Bay, Indiana. Thank you. Jacob C. ND needs to pay y'all for putting that work in for real. Hey, look. We want to see ND win, man. We want to be an asset. Like, we don't just want to cover and talk to you guys every day. We literally want to be an asset. Heck yeah. I think Malik is sending certain stuff over or, or texting certain things that we hear in interviews over, you know, to the uh, Google. So it's a great thing. It's a great thing. 
Indy for life. Great show, Sean. You and Malika always on top of everything. Indy can't wait for y'all interview. That's right. Tonight, 6 p.m. Central Time, Carnell Tate interview right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Josh Miller, thank you for tapping in from Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what's up. Juan Lazada, you excited about next Tuesday? That's right. Killer Cam McDaniel. Love how hard he ran the ball back in the day. Indy for life tapping in from Gary. Yeah, it's a steakhouse. It's like an old school steakhouse over in Gary. That I used to go to back in the day. I wonder if it's still open. I forget the name. Warrior Fingers. Good morning, LL Nation. Sean, where's my guy Afro Malik? <laughs> Me and JB got some words for him. Um and I misspoke earlier. It wasn't um, it wasn't his uh, son. It was a significant other that had an appointment. And just coming back from the doctor's appointment, man, that's all. L.A. traffic had some things to pick up and take care of. So hopefully he gets in before the show so we can really – I really don't want to talk about this pro football focus uh, top ten list of returning quarterbacks until he gets in. Because it's very. Yeah. That's probably true. That's probably true. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. The kid is really good at, on both sides of the ball. So it could be a Jerry Tillery situation. You know, Jerry Tillery was originally offensive tackle. And I think it's his high school coach that told him before he came to Notre Dame, like, look, son, if you switch over to the defensive side of the ball, you can be really good and make it to the league and make an impact. And lo and behold, he's a great defensive line, deep tackle in the National Football League. Christopher Galloway, Belton, South Carolina. Where is that specifically? How close are you to Augusta? Or are you close to Augusta and Belt, Augusta, Georgia? John Bell, for God's sake, pick ND. Who, which recruiter are you talking about, John? Heck, we want all of them to pick ND. But you know what? The Drake Bowen interview made me realize, and I think this goes in accord to uh, kind of connects to or is a nexus to what I already do, in a sense. Like, I don't care if kids, you know, talking to these kids, I want to build a relationship with them. And if a kid ultimately doesn't pick Notre Dame, yo, I still want to be able to text them and talk to them and say, yo, you know, how are things going? You know, and they get to the league, still want to be able to talk to them. You know, just build a relationship. That's like, man, when Drake ultimately leaves Notre Dame and goes to whatever NFL city, you know, if I drop into the city to look at a kid, I want to be able to hit Drake up like, yo, you got time for lunch? You know, that's, I'm, I'm looking to build a relationship. You know, yeah, I want to report, help Notre Dame, be an asset in recruiting cycles, but I want to build relationships with people too, man. You know, especially having a conversation like I had with Drake Bowen, we're bringing that out of you like, man. This is, this is a kid I want to know moving forward. P. 
pig clips. Driscoll said, I don't know what that means. Driscoll said he isn't a fit, FYI. I don't know. You got to be more specific. What recruiter are you talking about? Oh, you're responding to this right here. Yeah, Nico. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think Nico is high priority. I think I would say these, this is the top three. Dante, Fazina, Jackson Arm. That's the pecking order at quarterback for the 2023 class. Nico would be like a fallback, but I don't think you're going to get Nico as a fallback. You're not going to come in late and get a kid like that. Anthony Solomon, appreciate you. Appreciate you. So before Malik gets in and we go, I do have something I want to share with you guys. Here's the question of the day. What's the most upset you've been after a Notre Dame game? What's the most upset you've been? That's today's question. What's the most upset you have been after a Notre Dame game? <laughs> yes, we're going to get a defensive coordinator. We're going, but the um, defensive coordinator is not, he can't come in. No disrespect to guys like Jim Knowles that came in with leverage and assistants got removed. Same thing with uh, the uh, D.C. from Iowa State. You know, he wanted some changes. And, you know, the staff is pretty much set in stone. It just really is. So it has to be someone that's that's willing to take the majority of the staff that's at Notre Dame and that fits. So now maybe a guy like Mike Trestle ends up becoming a defensive coordinator. Maybe he does. Sunset Kid, how long do you think TR will be at Notre Dame? It's a good question. I think, I don't think Tommy Reese will ever leave Notre Dame to go to another school. If he leaves Notre Dame, it will be for the NFL. And the only way the NFL comes a calling is if Notre Dame gets over the hump or at least makes it to the national championship game and develops a big-time quarterback. So that would be probably two to three years down the line for all of that to come together. Probably, I mean, Tyler Buckner could be that guy. So, yeah, maybe, two. like I said, two to three years for everything to come together. Uh, Malik Muhammad is a guy, high priority. Once again, from what we're hearing, Ryan Roberts is doing a great job with him, having discussions with him. Check out the story that I broke, not I broke, but that Ryan broke. He has a great story on IB right now with Malik Muhammad and the update on the message board. Uh, man, kids are loving Malik Muhammad. I mean, kids are loving Notre Dame right now. The vibe is good. Kids are loving Notre Dame, and it's even uh, spilling over to the 24 class. I'll talk to a couple of kids from the 24 class with Junior Day coming up, and they're excited about Notre Dame as well. Uh, C.J. Carr, class of 24 quarterback, 
Super excited about Notre Dame. Uh, Sean, you need to come to Ohio week 10 next year for the best high school rivalry in the country. Okay. Okay. I'm in. We'll be there for the first game of the year. We'll definitely be there for the Ohio State. Man. Lee Loglante said, I watched Drake down here in Atlanta at a baseball tournament. Hell of an athlete. Yeah, he he wants to be so much better at baseball. Like he is really driven to be successful, man. Like you you feel it coming off of this kid. I asked him for his goals for baseball, and he like goes down the list. And I'm like, yo, it was almost like he was disappointed in, in his last season in baseball. Uh, he was disappointed. In his last season of baseball, and they're the defending state champs. So, man. Oh, yeah, B Hart 1074. Like I said, the pecking order, um, in my opinion, is Dante, Zena, Jackson Arnold. Dante, Zena, Jackson Arnold for the 2023 quarterbacks. I would say Dante Moore is a must get. I would say Carnell Tate is a must get. You have to get that connection. And when you see the Carnell Tate interview, what we've been saying about fixing the quarterback room and the wide receiver room, when you see this interview tonight, you will come to understand why what Malik and I have been talking about is so prevalent with Notre Dame. Like, you don't have to hear it from us. Hear it from the recruits that's out there. It's very important that the quarterback room and the wide receiver room get right and know the name and become connected. Very important. And you'll hear why tonight when you watch the Carnell Tate interview. So for me, those are the two. Dante Moore, Carnell Tate on the offensive side of the ball. The defense is, is good. I think the defense has the vibe. They're going to ride out and get some more great players. If you get Carnell Tate and Dante Moore, watch the dominoes fall on the offensive side of the ball. Watch a guy like Jackson Howard. Watch a guy like Mac Markaway. Guys like that start to commit, and you'll get the ball rolling. Notre Dame doesn't have a problem getting running backs and offensive line. That's never been the issue. So those are the two must-gets for me. Oh, that's what's up. Guinea pig clips, you're tapping in from Raleigh. All right. Irish Gordian Knot, St. Louis, the Lou. We need a, we need to work on Christian Gray <laughs> up there. And uh, also the big offensive tackle, what's his name, Charles Jugasaw from Rock Island. That's closer to Iowa. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's closer to Iowa than he is to St. Louis. Lilo Glanton, Glanton just broke up a robbery at his daycare facility. Really? We're gonna have to get him. Yeah, we definitely have to get him up, get him on the show. Indy checking in. 
No, Kane Madden cannot come back for a fifth year, David Jones. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Sebastian Cheeks, that's so funny. That's one of – when I was – I had just started working, but Brian and I have always had a relationship going back to 2012. So I remember Brian asking me, you know, some things about Sebastian Cheeks. And Sebastian – just a very um, particular young man. I'll leave it at that. You know, some recruits want to be wooed ex excessively. And uh, no, I just ended up not, it's not, a, it wasn't a good fit for him and his personality. Great fit academically for him and his personality. The kid from Evanston, nah. I think he ended up in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Tom, you know what? Let me, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to write that down and I'll have more of an answer for you tomorrow. There's an interesting name. And I'll have a bigger answer for you tomorrow. I don't want to give you an incomplete answer. Um, uh, Jay Golden 44, uh, Nico is five star, great quarterback. Just you know how we feel in that class for us is Dante Nico, and I mean it's close, but Nico. I'm not trying to disrespect the kid. And Nico has a tight-knit crew. I'll leave it at that. Very tight-knit crew. And I just, you know, sometimes when you're a recruiter and you have to walk by, like, you walk in to see a kid and you're sitting there with, like, Seven got to walk by seven guys in tank tops just to go sit and talk, you know. And that's not saying that's why I was very I'm trying to be very careful of what I say because I'm not trying to be disparaging because his family is a very good family. But you know, some you know some people, some recruiters can get turned off by certain things and for some reason, you know. We just heard that he's been viewed as not a fit for some reason. You know, I don't do that taking somebody else's word when I've never met the kid, I've never spoken to the kid. So, yeah, he's not a high priority right now, which I, in my opinion, is a mistake. In my opinion. But, Jimmy James, what are the chances of Indy picking up a quarterback as a grad or a transfer? Uh, that's your boy. Get him when he hops on. He's about to hop on now. Get your boy in the chat. He's asking me, is it too late? Like, no, it's not too late. We've been waiting for you so we can get the content. 
They could for depth. I don't think they grab anybody. I don't think they grab anybody of substance. You know, somebody that can come in that wants to. Uh, I think somebody mentioned it. Maybe it was Brian that mentioned it, like a Hunter Johnson transferred from uh, Northwestern. You know, if he wants to come and get his uh, bat, I'm not his, his master's from Notre Dame, and, you know, understands that he's third in the pecking order. All right, cool. But somebody that's going to come in and, like, be a threat to play? I, I don't think so. Yeah, somebody asked offline that was watching the show after we ended uh, yesterday about Brew McCoy, the uh, wide receiver transfer from South from uh, not South Carolina at USC. That's that's not going to happen. That's that's not going to happen. Uh, DJ Wilson. You think there's a real chance with Dante Moore and then Justin Knox tapping in from Orange County, CA. Yo, one of my most underrated favorite spots in Orange County is Oceanside. We used to, man, yeah. Oceanside is like, I love Oceanside. Small, quaint town right there in Orange County. Uh, not too far from Disney. I can drive right down to San Diego in like an hour and a half. Like most people love being in LA, Oceanside has always been Oceanside and Carlsbad. I love that area. Thanks for tapping in, Justin. Jay Golden. Yep. He did say that. So the Dante Moore thing, I mean, I spoke on it. I think Dante Moore is a must-get. And I I I haven't spoken to him. Malik is the one that has been talking to him. And I think Malik talked about it yesterday and said, yo, we should get him. We should get him. And he feels confident about that. But he knows that they're going to have to put in work as a big-time recruit, big-time recruit. But I will say this. Tommy Reese has been putting in work, y'all. Tommy, man, get that dude, get that dude a clap in this spot. He's been putting in work since that bowl game. So, uh, that's not happening, P Dub. I don't think so. Cedric Irvin Jr., uh, a game changer? Are you talking like Adams game changer type? Dexter Williams was a game changer, in my opinion. You know, you saw the difference once he sat out, I think he missed the first four games of his senior season, and he comes out, big game against Virginia Tech, and just goes on to get a thousand yards. So Every running back for me that comes into Notre Dame can be a game changer, especially with Harry. He's standing that offensive line, the talent they have coming in for the next two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I can rock with that. Predictions on how many five stars or top 50 recruits we land in 23. I'm going to set the over under at. Hmm. Over under at four and a half. I'll set the over under at four and a half. So you guys can lay the bet. You guys can lay the bet. Over under at four and a half. And I will be happy with four or five in that class. Uh, okay. Mine might differ from Notre Dame, but uh, I will put Carnell number one. And then I probably look, it's this kid out of Florida named Hakeem Williams. I love, absolutely love this kid. Love him. Like, I think he's the sleeper of the class, but I would go Carnell, then I would go Jalen Brown. And then Rodney Gallagher from Pennsylvania. And then after that, I would probably go Elsie, Noah Rogers. How many did I give you? That sounded like six or seven. Yeah. But my sleeper that probably is in my top three from the film I've watched is Hakeem Williams out of Florida, man. This kid, Hakeem Williams, out of Florida. 6'4", 'tall, physical, run blocks, blocks people out of the end zone multiple times. High point, high points the ball, 50-50 balls, screens, speed, taking it 80 yards on a quick screen, outrunning everybody in Florida against good competition. Love that kid. I would probably put it. I just gave you what I think is Notre Dame's list. I will put that kid in my top three. It would probably be Cardinal. For me, it would probably be Cardinal, Jalen Brown. And then he would probably be tied with Gallagher at three. Gallagher and Hakeem Williams. Those, for me, those are the guys at wide receiver. Yeah, you're right, Irish Gordian. Not Florida is putting together a great staff, and they have great talent. I agree with that. I agree with that. You guys, give me a second. I'm about to put your boy on blast, right quick. This is live on Lucky Lefty. We spin it different. I think Gabriel Rubio is going to be one of the players we have to watch, just to see how he comes in and plays in spring ball. I'm interested in seeing him. See, now he doesn't want to answer the phone. Make sure, man, when he comes in, make sure you get him. Hmm. I see. Thank you. From Spain. Where at in Spain? 
And where should I visit? Like, what city should I go to? Because I'm not like the young 20-year-old anymore. Because a lot of people used to tell me to go to Madrid if you're younger. But like, what part of Spain should I visit if I go? Let me know, Alberto. We appreciate you. Josh Miller, who is your favorite Notre Dame player of all time? Hmm. Rocket. <laughs> I don't even know why it took me that long. I was a huge Rocket fan. I was a huge Golden Tate fan, too. <sighs> this man, I'm going to keep it a buck. It's hard for anybody to beat Rocket. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard for anybody to beat Rocket. It's hard. Yo, yo. Little late to the party. Little late to the party. My bad, man. Man, you all good. We held it down. I mean, LL Nation just came in and we had a conversation for an hour. That's all. That's right. That's right. That's, that's all. right. That's right. That's how we do it. How we do so, it, man. I, want, I held off on the topics. The question of the day, so you know, what's the most upset you've been after Notre Dame game? That's what we're asking LL Nation. What's the most upset you've been after Notre Dame game? Now, it's funny because I want to, I have exhibit A and B. If we were in court, I have exhibits A and B. But I would like to tell them myself, right? Yeah. I don't think this is the most upset I've been at the Notre Dame game, but my wife and daughter left because they know when Notre Dame's on, I like a, I don't like a lot of quiet house. Got to have a quiet house, man. So they leave. I don't know where they went. I think they went to breakfast or somewhere New Year's Day. They come back. They try to time the end of the game. They come back, and Oklahoma State had just taking the lead in the fourth quarter. And my wife walks into the TV room and she's just walking up to me to give me a hug, man. And I put my hand out and was like, not right now. Not just like, not right now. Don't even say anything. Don't touch me. Just because it's, it's not going to go good. And I don't want to do anything wrong. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to push you off of me. I don't want to do anything like that. Just give me a second. Because I was, at that point in time, I was heated. I was, yeah, man, I was heated. I'm like, man, this don't make no damn sense. Right? So, I want to show you, all right? This, and this is going viral, right? It's going yeah. viral? It's going viral, dude. It's this, oh, uh, man. It's, it's from a YouTube page called The Barons, Mr. and Mrs. Barron. And this guy's a huge Cowboys fan. I want you to check this out because it's two videos. I had to set this up. This is him on Thanksgiving at his family's house after they lose to the Raiders, 37 to 33. All right? Check it out. Here we go again. What's wrong with you this time? Oh, this dude, man. It's going to be all right. Man, leave me alone, bro. You've been bragging me out game, bro. It ain't like it's the last game. What you mean? It's just 
Thirty-seven, thirty-three. What? Thirty-seven, thirty-three. It's a loss. Ah, he's bad. He's bad. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Man, you been talking smack to me all game, man. We got you bending in my face, man. Now you gonna bend in my face, this, bro? This is on Thanksgiving. Of course, it's a game. It's a game. This is Thanksgiving. This is serious, Joe. It's very serious. Yes, you're right. You're right. You ain't even gonna say it. Yo, boy, damn wolf. You ain't even gonna say it. This is Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So, wait a minute. That was Thanksgiving. And, I, man, I advise everybody to go look this YouTube page up. Because this dude is funny. He is, he is hilarious, right? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And the crazy part is that's how Cowboy fans really feel. It's the, it's the, they get hyped every year. It's been 26 years since they've done anything in the playoffs. And they get disappointed like this every time because you know why? They pay the most for their talent and get the worst and least out of it. Now, bro, this is the crazy thing. He was over at his family's house. So, like, it got worse. I just showed a snippet. It got worse. He started talking about the the who the whoever cooked Thanksgiving dinner, talked about the stuffing was trash, the mac and cheese was dry. He was back. That's dry. right. Oh, yeah. It was it was World War One on there. And the crazy thing, too, is that they should make a compilation video of all cowboy fans. He's not even the only one. Right. We got cowboy fans that be breaking TVs, that be going right. into panic sweats, taking off right. the jerk. Even our own Skip Bayless is a big cowboy fan and goes through the, the, the wave of emotion. So, so I already know, man. Hilarious. Let's fast forward to Sunday night. Same guy. 23-17 loss to the 49ers. Same guy. Man. I can't believe that, man. We're America's team still. So I got a question. Yeah. Can you tell me why you head over there? It was my looky, my looky buddy. Ooh, put one of them back on, please. I don't know what just happened. I, I can't explain it. But I, I, I'm well, honestly. They've been talking about it for years. The Cowboys should have had their time. The Cowboys. Do you know what I you come here? Let me tell you something. Come here, come here, come here. Do you know what I honestly want to tell you? I'm glad it's over. Cause I this 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 too much. Every week you do this, you go through these emotional breakdowns. I'm glad it's over. Come back, come back. Where are you going? I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm hot. It's cold out there. I'm hot in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I mean, couldn't so take bad. it. <laughs> I'm busy for L. Dude. Yo, so that just sparked me to ask LL Nation, like, yo, what's the most upset you've been after a Notre Dame game? Because this. Bro, that was crazy. I, 
It was crazy because you know he it was real pain. Like he, it was so bad because he couldn't explain it. It was just like, man, I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm hot for a lot of reasons. I gotta just take a break and take a step outside. Cause it just that's what they do to you every time. It's like that's how I feel watching the games. Cause we just oh. make the Toledo game. I'm I'm looking like that. Cause I'm like, oh my goodness, man, why would y'all do this to me? Y'all know how I feel about these games and we so close to this Mac school. So oh man, the emotions are, are crazy. But the game that made me the Mac, like I think it was the worst was probably the Florida State game, the way we lost it. Oh, my God. You talking about talking the F game? Yeah, the F game. Oh, you talking about getting man. Gypped. Oh, man. You talking about what kind of rules are those, you know? <laughs> that game right there, bro, I was out in public. That's the only thing that saved me. It was the night of my mother's birthday. We're out of the steakhouse. That's the only thing that kept me sane. You talking about ready to fight? Oh, my God. That was... Oh, because it was just like, oh, the, just the everything that was into the game, they hadn't lost at that point. Top five matchup. And, I mean, we're giving it to them. They got Jalen Ramsey, yeah. all the superstars. Yeah. And we had them at the very end, and they, and they got us. They, 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 they must have, you know, had the ACC rest or something up in there because they definitely pulled a fast one on us. Lucky Lucky Podcast, man. What? When were you the most upset? After a Notre Dame game, a lot of people are saying this Fiesta Bowl. I, this Fiesta Bowl wasn't the most. It wasn't the most. It wasn't the most. It wasn't the most. Uh, not, that, not this Fiesta Bowl. I see the 1993 Boston College game that cost him another national championship. That, yes, I was upset that Boston College jumped out to a big lead. Not that they kicked the field goal like, yo, we had an interception in the game in our hands. Notre Dame just didn't make the plays, right? But the fact they came in so flat, like, oh, and that's the danger, man, because you knew whatever game they played after that Florida State game, you knew the next game was going to be dangerous. You knew it. Now, all the energy that went to that Florida State game, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then another game was probably 2016 when we lost to Duke. Oh, my gosh. It was frustrating that we lost to it was frustrating we lost to Duke because Duke looked like they had a secondary that was in the NFL or something. I mean, guys are making guys are making crazy plays and everything. So it was just like, I mean, it couldn't have got worse at that point in the football season when you're losing to Duke. Man. <laughs> but that was Danny Dimes' year, you know, and crazy enough, that was Daniel Jones' senior year. It sure you know, was. Which we know Daniel Jones, now him and Jamison Crowder, who both are in the league or whatever, but crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I still respect Jamison, but Daniel Jones is trash, bro. Yeah, you, we all know that. Daniel Jones is, is – he's been trash for a minute. We see the Bush push game. The Bush push game is getting the most, the most love out of this question. And that Ev game is getting love. The uh, the Georgia game from 2017. You know what? You know when I was really pissed off? I was really pissed off in two blowouts. I got to be honest. I got to be honest. Because most of the times you're upset when it's a close game. But you realize, especially if you're playing a really good team, you recognize, like, yo, it's a chance we can lose this game. 
right? Like I knew going into that Clemson game, you had just gotten injured, and I knew it's a chance we could lose this game. I didn't like how it ended, and I was upset, but it wasn't like I was over the top because I'm like, okay. Clemson yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was a game that I didn't think we would win, but it was just unfortunate because I really wanted to be a part of that game. Yeah. Like, I can rock with that. I'll give you two games recently. I was heated. I think it was 2018, 2018 Michigan. Last time we played them in the big house, and they smacked us around like that. I didn't like that. And then the 2007, dude, the 2017 Miami game. That 2017 Miami game had me heated. I was heated. Let me tell you how confident I was, bro. I had I had no respect for that turnover chain or nothing. I'm like, dude, we're about to go down here and bat, bang on these young these soft cats, come back to the crib. My daughter had, she was in a play. It was her sophomore year of high school. She was in a play. There's no way I could get out of it, bro. I can't. So I go to the play. I'm recording it on the DVR. One of my boys comes up to me after the play, and we're talking. And they're talking about going out to, out to eat. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm trying to get to the crib. And they're like, Yeah, oh, like, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not man, feeling it. I trying to go sit down and eat nowhere. No, no, no. I put in my time as a father. I'm trying to get back to the crib. That's right. right and my boy yeah. tapped me and was like, you ain't got to worry about that. Cause he knew. <laughs> yeah, cause it was early. It was early. We they start whooping this. It was early. Right. Uh, so he tapped me. He was like, "You ain't got to worry about that, fam." And I just looked at him. I was like, "No." It was the. That was probably the top top three disappointing because we came out like we was yes. afraid of that turnover chain. Yeah. Like that's when it was yes. hot, and it was like there was the lights, and it was all the. Going into Catholics versus convicts, they played it up real nice during the week, and we really looked like we were not ready for that type of energy, and it just showed. And they had the famous Ian Book pick that that they took uh back to the crib on his first play in the game, like it was yeah. just a disaster. So yeah, man, I was heated. I when I finally came home and watched that game, I was like, man, you got to be kidding me. Because we were supposed to go undefeated. You know, that's what we thought we were about to go undefeated. You know, Man. we was feeling good. And Miami just really – and that was the best Miami's been in the last five, six years. That that was the yeah. peak of their yeah. their height when they was yeah. when they was going up. That was the best game they played. Yeah, the 91 uh, Orange Bowl against Colorado. Rockets return call back at the end of the game. Absolutely. I can just re- – I still remember Bill Walsh doing the color. And he's like, there's no way Colorado can kick the ball to Rocket. There's no way they can kick it to Rocket. And in the middle of the punt, he says, oh, no, they kicked it to the middle of the field. And Rocket was gone. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm going crazy in the basement. Like a Rocket, yeah. yeah. And they're like, there's a flag on the play. I'm like, dude, I'm still ashamed to this day that I I share the last name with Greg Davis, dude. Still to this day. I'm like, I can't believe a Davis. Will we'll make such a mistake. Egregious. Dude, like he's behind Rocket. You don't need to touch him. Let yeah. him. He's not catching him. 
What are I'm you doing? doing? Just, just trying to work too hard. Yeah, see that that Miami game. I'm, I'm, I'm getting heated right now about that Miami game, bro. That because they was doing that two quarterback foolishness. No quarterback had the idea of what it looked. We looked lost. You know, we couldn't run the football, and we lost in that game. Lost Josh his Heisman chances too, because we ran the ball for like ten yards. I mean, good grief, it was terrible that game. I got your man, D-Mail says, so today, two Lucky Lefty podcasts with the Carnell Tate interview. Y'all straight spoiling us, fam. Love it. Yeah, we do the premium. You know, you know how we get down to LL Nation. We spend it different, give you everything you're looking for. Yep. Hey, this is for you, bro. Jay Clampin Investments, whose game does Dante Moore remind you of? I, I like the game of like a Tyrod Taylor at Virginia Tech. Really electric and productive, but he can also throw it well enough to, to win those big games. I'm thinking like Tyrod Taylor versus Andrew Luck in that bowl game that they had. I really liked what he was doing. And you saw how mature he was at the end of the day. Jacob C said he cried in the, you know what? That 2012 BCS game for me was just like, it was like, okay. Bama was some big dudes, man. That was a big squad. That was like a totally different Bama. That was a Bama that was built on the running game, stopping the run. Like yeah, that's you can be you can be upset about the 2012 because they was just a whole nother level. It was like the Georgia this year. Like I yeah. thought we had a great run, but it was too bad of a whooping to be pissed about, you know. Uh Tommy Guns, no, I've never watched the documentary called Go Tigers. Is it on Netflix? Where can I find it? I'll most definitely check it out. Uh, John Bell is too early in the game. And I think the running back search is something that came late. And, you know, everything else you were prepared for as far as the coaching moves. You know, Lance Taylor getting that OC job was something that was like, okay, we didn't expect this to be part of the package, but it is. So like yeah, said, and that's just a part of it. You know, that's just a part of it. I thought it was more of a solidified piece, but he's been quiet through the the the, the transition to Marcus Freeman. So I'm sure he was taking a lot of calls in the background as well. And this is one of those calls that came up for him. Well, I said Indy actually recruits receivers well too. That's why it's so puzzling that they haven't had that much success on the field at wide receiver. I would the best recruiting group they had was probably like 2015 to 18. That's the best Notre Dame's done at recruiting wide receiver. Because like Chase came in towards the end of your time, right? Yeah, Chase was a freshman, and Javon McKinley and Miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. we had a nice little core. But then yeah. I think the 2013 class when we had Will, we had Corey Robinson, that started the trend, and then we started getting uh, a nice mixture of what, you know, what actually the 12 class was with Chris Brown and yeah. CJ and, and and all those guys as well. You know what the crazy thing was about um, – it's wild, but the crazy thing about that class is that Corey, man, and I understand, 
Corey was like good and knew he could be good, but he knew he was great at so many other things that he really didn't need it. You know what I'm saying? It's like Corey could have been a dog, but you know, he was so smart. Like you said, this dude was the student body president, man. Like, yeah, you're talking about a real renaissance man. Right. And I'll never forget this how I knew he was just, you know, football was fun, but it didn't mean everything to him when he was uh ranked like number two behind Laquan Treadwell as a, a a potential draft pick. And he was just like, Oh, you know, it's just it wasn't a big deal to him. You know, at this point, he was yeah. the only sophomore, you know, really playing in our class at that time, as well as just in the country. And he was doing so well, he had high marks, but he just, it just didn't, it didn't hit him how a kid from Chicago, a kid from Dayton that's been playing all their life was. I just remember the recruiting story with Corey and Coach Martin, I went into the office. He was like, man, Corey didn't even have, <laughs> he didn't have any stars. <laughs> what? And when they watched, and he said, the only reason I watched it, you know, Dave Robinson kid, you know, you got some, some traits or whatever. He said he popped on the film and it was just like him catching the ball on these five two, you know, white guys, no talent. Like you couldn't really tell because the film was just so bad. But then he started doing it to like starters at Notre Dame and it was just such a, a hidden gem. So that that recruiting staff of 13 was definitely uh, very, very influential to the success or continued success we had in the regular rest of Coach Kelly's tenure. Uh, let's see. Man, that's funny. That's funny. I mean, that's the last probably player. That's probably the last player we ever had that had no stars we recruited. <laughs> Facts. Facts. David Jones. No, Carnell Tate is not related to Golden Tate. From what I hear, Golden Tate, man, has some, some pretty uh, impressive sisters, man, but they cause a lot of trouble. They get them into fights man, with other man, NFL man. players. Yeah, he got he to gotta, he gotta defend his sisters half the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, no, man. No. No. Man, great conversation going on in the chat today, man. We appreciate you guys. Bro, you ready for this? I sent this to you yesterday. Pro Football Focus did their top 10 returning quarterbacks. You ready for this list? All right. I'm upset about the list, but then again, it's, if that's the list, then I know we got a good chance of Tyler moving up the list. Let's see. That's why we want to have a conversation. Number one, uh, Bryce Young. Like, yeah. Number two, Caleb Williams. Are yeah. you shocked? Are you shocked to have you like talked to him? Is he what is he what is he waiting on? Because most people thought I know you've had conversations with him. Most people thought it was going to be USC last week, but what's the holdup? Is he talk, really talking? Man, to I really people? just, I really just. I think you muted yourself, bro. Yeah, we can't hear you. There you go. Yeah, I was saying, uh, I, I just believe he's just taking his time. 
he's just really taking his time because, I mean, this is the first time he's ever had an opportunity where people are literally offering millions of dollars to go to Eastern Michigan. <laughs> right, right. That's a fact. So, no, I mean, if anything, he's just enjoying uh, enjoying what this new NIL is bringing, and hopefully it can, he can break open the barrier for kids to get a lot of money or something. Yeah. Spencer Rattler at three. Now, that's that's my first pause on this list. Like, Spencer Rattler? Uh, well, no, number, number you four. Can't deny, you can't deny Spencer Rattler's talent. He shouldn't be in front of C.J. Stroud, though. Yes, he should. Yes, he no. should. 100% should. 100% no. should. No. No. The season that C.J. Stroud just put together, there's no way that Spencer Rattler should be in front of C.J. Stroud as a top returning quarterback. Come on, man. That's a little that's, – they need to flip-flop that. Number five is Sam No, they Hart. don't. No, they don't because – no, they don't because if you think about it, Spencer Rattler has the most upside right now in college football because of not only is he motivated going to North, South Carolina, but he also has the nat most natural ability out of the top three quarterbacks right now. He can throw better than Caleb. He can throw better than Bryce. He just – it was just his ego is just in his way. His ego is just in his way. Matter of fact, it's another quarterback that I will put above Spencer Rattler on this list down at eight. Sam Are you Hartman gonna say Sam Hartman at five? Come on, man. I, they're I mean, reaching. They're he reaching. Puts up, he puts up a lot of numbers, but come on, man. Grayson McCall at six at six from Coastal Carolina. The kid's talented. This is who I would put down to number seven. I would definitely Armstrong. I would definitely put above Spencer Rattler. Are you kidding me? Who? Spencer Rattler hasn't been good for at least half a season. Who? Who are you putting about Spencer? Don't, don't, don't play that. Don't play that. The dude that Who was out for the Virginia about? game that would have put up at least 30 points on Notre Dame if he had played. Oh, listen, you're talking about 30 points on Notre Dame. See, disrespectful. That. Dylan Gabriel, <laughs> this is like his third team. Like Dylan yeah, Gabriel, and see, this is when the list get tri gets tricky. Because I think when we start getting the seven and eight, I'm like, okay, Tyler Buckner can be. He can be in there. For yeah, sure. he can be where with he's full season. Off. Tyler's at at least five. Yeah, Tyler can get to at least five with a full season. Keaton Slovis comes in at nine. Come on, man. So did Keaton Tommy Slovis. know about this? Did Tommy know about this chart before? Before when he, <laughs> when he made when the he call. Called. He must have known he was a top 10 guy or something. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami comes in at number 10. I would do, they got a sleeper to watch. They got JJ McCarthy as a sleeper to watch. I would take JJ McCarthy over uh, Keaton Slovis. I wouldn't do that only because I haven't seen JJ even play himself a full Man, season. He's look. more in a Tyler Butner position than anybody else. Well, the reason we read this list is because it bodes well. It bodes well. It does. If, if that is the lay of the land for quarterbacks, I feel a whole lot better with Tyler Butler. Even yeah, with I being definitely. Variable and being an unknown at that, I feel good. I feel good with Tyler Butler. 
I, I feel do. excellent. I feel excellent with Tyler Buckner because the, the gap isn't far to close. No. With a, with a no. win against Ohio State and a win against Clemson and yeah. going into the last USC game with 10 wins or so, that's a, a easy position for him to climb the charts fast. Now, he may not break the top three, but he's definitely deserving to be on the list before the season starts, in my opinion, but he'll definitely prove it as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that, man. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, every day, right here. We spin it different. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Now, I might be petty right quick, bro. I might have to be petty because there's a whole bunch of pettiness uh, being shown in this right here. And I just want to show this right here. Let me pull it up. That's a lot of pettiness, if you ask me. Let me share this screen. It's my favorite time of the day, that petty train, man. Oh, man. I'm going to have to share it as a file. I tried to bring it up. But basically, it's this photo of uh, <laughs> taken by Slam Magazine of the Russell Westbrook dunk. And, bro, it is the pettiest, the pettiest photo I've ever seen. Also, I think oh, ever. Oh, you know who's petty? We can talk about this while I bring this up. You know who else is petty? Who? OBJ. For once again, prove. OBJ is petty? Yeah, dude. He didn't have to go out there and prove that Baker Mayfield was trash, bro. He didn't have to do that. See, he did because you know why? It was people that, that wasn't even knowing of the situation giving Baker the excuse that Odell was the issue. Now, we don't forget that on the play that Odell got hurt for the season, it was because he was chasing a terrible ball by Baker and that got his uh, ACL messed up because he made the tackle on the play. So, you know, I think if anything, good for OBJ because not only is he on a team where he's doing well, he's in a place he wants to be. I mean, LA is the best place he could have been. I remember when he signed to go there, everybody's like, wow, you know, they were not only deep, but they didn't see the fit. Yeah. He went where he wanted to go. He controlled his own narrative, and now look at him giving Michael Jackson dances and all type of stuff. And it's good for him. So, I think for one thing, it's probably 
the best of both worlds because I think Cleveland really got to see like, yo, once he left, like, yeah, maybe he was being petty towards Baker, but he wasn't lying. Like, well, his, his wasn't dad lying. wasn't lying. No, his, <laughs> his, his dad was super petty. His dad was super petty. <laughs> but putting that presentation together, it's like, bro, come on, man. Hey. Here I think that's something, that's, that falls into what a LeVar Ball would do or something, you know what I mean? Here we go. So here's the picture from Slam Magazine, my brother. Let me point out the pettiness in this picture. First of yeah, all, Russ is petty for the sack in the face of Rudy Gobert on the dunk. Super petty. He was petty for the, all of the celebration afterwards that led to him getting attacked. But this photographer for Slam Magazine did not have to do LeBron like this, man. LeBron need to do something, man. Look at that, bro. Yeah, I'm sorry, I guess, man. I can see it from here. Bron, we got to do something about that, bro. That No filter, no no Photoshop. Club no me in, or just go for, or just go cut it low, bro. Just let it go. Just let it go. Ah, dude. Whoever that photographer was, man. Come on, man. You, know, you remember the commercial, the... Um, LeBron did with the different versions of himself, like the baby version, real Bron, Duncan Age Bron, Grandpa Bron. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's Grandpa Bron right there. That's like that's like uh, AARP Bron <laughs> right there, dude. Because that that needs dude. some help. He need that uh, great for men or what you say? Uh, uh. Road game hair clubs for men. Whatever it's not making no it. sense, and and you know it's crazy to be in twenty twenty one with CGI and Photoshop. They couldn't they couldn't bless Brian at all, man. That's crazy. No, at all. They let it ride on that dude, man. Like, yo, as soon as I saw this picture, I just said, man, this is mad petty. Like the editor could have said, yo, we can't do that to Brian. Yeah, man. Hey, and it's crazy because Brian usually good at uh, not letting people get off these little things. You know, cease and desist and come out fast out of Brian camp. Yeah, he must have forgot his piece at home, his hair piece. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know he that hasn't been told. You know he hasn't been told. That, I had to put that on the petty train today, bro. I had yeah, to. Oh, up, man, thank up. you, everybody, that tapped in. Don't forget, tonight, 6 p.m., the exclusive Arnell Tate interview, 2023 Notre Dame offer and target. Five-star wide receiver. Uh, I saw a question about Prince Collie that I wanted to get to. Uh, Prince Collie is going to be a beast at Notre Dame. Prince Collie is going to be. He's going to be a beast at Notre Dame. He's going to be the one that we're telling you now about that's going to pop on the first game of next year. Book right. it. You said book it? Book it. Okay. Booking, you booking it? Yeah, he's got too much talent, and I think he'll he'll Eddie likes what he's doing with Coach Freeman. Is going to produce um, a bear a lot of good fruits. I tell you that. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So once again, uh, great conversation with LL Nation about recruiting today. Uh, once again, great conversation about the most upset you've been after a Notre Dame game and feeling very comfortable with the quarterback situation based upon the returning quarterbacks. There's only 
I would say it's only three quarterbacks on that list I really, without question, would say, yeah, they're better. Maybe four than Tyler Buckner. And that's what Tyler Buckner not playing extensively. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest mistake we can do is is not put all our focus on Tyler Buckner this year and getting him ready, not even for the first game, just for the season in general. Facts. All right, that's it, man. Thank you. We'll see you guys tonight for the interview with Carnell Tate. Don't forget, subscribe, share, like. Subscribe, share, like. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis for my guy, Malik Zaire. And over time, Malik, go follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod. And don't forget, we are available on Apple Podcasts as well, as well at A2S Network. That's A2S Network on Apple Podcasts. It's been a different today. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you this evening.